0: This podcast is made possible by Sage Intact and U.S. Bank. Hello, it's uh, Didier Aziza, CFO you know, at Barbrands, uh, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader podcast. This is episode number 259. As a finance leader, are you driving driving change change in your organization? organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we speak to Jim Kelleher, CFO of Actifio, a firm specializing in copy data virtualization.
1: Uh, Log me in, was a high tech company located on the um, outskirts of Boston. And, uh, we were growing, you know, headcount 30-40% year over year. And we picked the company up and we moved it into downtown Boston. Now it was only 15 miles from where we were. But, it, but it's not the easiest 15-mile commute. Um, but we um, went into the so-called Innovation District in Boston. We were one of the first high-tech companies to go in there. We redesigned uh, an old mill building into some really dynamic um, space, created a huge open environment, and we ran a major project with the employee base to make sure the employees embraced it. And we did a really nice job in developing the space, and it was a very, very successful move that I think led to our next phase of growth.
0: Listen to our complete interview with Jim after these words from our sponsor. It's a question every growing business must answer. How do you scale your organization to accommodate growth while reducing risk? Sage Intac provides the instant visibility into deep operational and financial requirements that inform decision-making when scale is top of mind. By automating error-prone manual tasks and allowing your team to focus on the analysis of more accurate information, Sage Intact provides the visibility required to confidently scale your organization. Sage Intact is the only AICPA preferred provider of cloud financial management software. Hello, we're speaking with Jim Kelleher, CFO of Actifio, a Data virtualization platform that lets customers capture data from production applications, manage it more economically, and use it when and where they need to. Jim, welcome.
1: Welcome. Thank you very much, Jack. That's a mouthful, huh?
0: Yeah, I, I like the way that the uh, description boiled down things. Uh, but uh, be honest, we'll need to revisit that with you. Uh, and and explain exactly what you folks are are really onto here. But first, as we always do, let's take a step back, and we always like to ask what those career experiences you had uh, that you feel uh, shaped you uh, and prepared you for a CFO role. What would those have been? I think it's um –
1: You know, I've been about 30 years in um, um, the finance industry and and much of it in technology. But if you go way back, (laughs) I was an an accounting major and a CPA coming out of a, a university. So I worked for one of the big eight at the time, now one of the big four. And I think that certainly sets a good basis for understanding business, accounting, And, you know, being in a pretty dynamic environment with a a lot of uh, smart people around you. So I'd say that would be the first that that was a cornerstone. (laughs) The second was at age 26, I I took a, um, I would call it a bit of a risk. I went to, I'd never... Stepped out of the United States, uh, and I took a job with one of my clients as a European finance director based in uh, in London, um, and spent roughly four and a half years uh, living in London and running finances for a software company that was headquartered here in the in the Boston area, and that really set the basis for my career. Um, it Got me into a very operational finance role, and um, it certainly opened my eyes to how to do business overseas. And I think it, uh, it differentiated me in the marketplace for someone as they went forward, because um, it, it, particularly at that time, it's a little bit more prevalent now, but at that time, you didn't get very many people who did that sort of uh, expatriate assignment. So that set me up well. And then um, I was, uh, I've been at Actifio for two years now as the CFO of Actifio. And prior to that, um, I was the CFO of a company called LogMeIn, also headquartered here in Boston. Um, that I started when it was a technology startup and 50 employees. And we took it public on the NASDAQ in uh, in 2009 as the markets opened. Um, and so I had an outstanding opportunity to work with a great management team there, uh, a couple of great founders, and to uh, to take a company public and then be a public company CFO for, for five or six years um, uh, after that. So I'd say those were the three things one the basis of okay cpa you know big four to the international experience i got and then three the ability to help a company grow and, and get it into a public environment
0: okay so when you arrive at activio what what uh, is the kind of job you want to create for yourself what's this next challenge you're you're looking at
1: Well, the the big thing that I was um, looking to do when I uh, came to Actifio and and we're in the process of doing is to help a company scale and grow. Actifio has got a great um, product, very disruptive in the marketplace, um, has an outstanding management team, a management team that's been successful in other environments. And I saw an opportunity to come in and make a difference as a finance executive to the team, as somebody who has had the experience of scaling a company and taking something into the public market, and to try to make um, make a difference in uh, in helping grow uh, the company. Not necessarily to get it into the public markets, although that, that, that certainly is, uh, you know, one of our uh, objectives as we go forward here at TIFIO, but really having the ability to grow something, to make a difference in the community here in the Boston area and make a difference in, in technology areas. So the idea was, it's it, it sort of in my sweet spot of um, software and technology growth, and then I could come in and add to an executive management team here to make a difference as we went forward.
0: So when you uh, organized your team or uh, as you uh, looked to, to modify the team perhaps or some of the challenges you faced, what would you tell us? What, uh, uh, what have you been up to?
1: Well, I think that the, the, the team that, um, that I inherited here from a finance team perspective is actually uh, very good and, and very solid. We augmented a couple people uh, in the area. Uh, particularly in the international area, I brought in somebody that um, that I had worked with um, previously to run our international uh, finance. But the basis of the team was pretty good. The then the team was looking for. Um, a leader was looking for someone, um, uh, you know, at finance who could sort of sit at the table with the other executives and could teach and develop them, um, you know, as they went forward. So I haven't really made, you know, I, I'd say dramatic changes in uh, in this team. Um, as we look to go forward, we will look to augment the team as we get a little bit closer to the public markets, uh, again, to, uh, to add some... Um, uh, I'd say additional experience um, probably in the public market of, you know, how to run investor relations, how to do financial reporting from an SEC perspective, but but overall right now the the, the team uh, is pretty much the same that was in place and, you know, it's functioning very, very well for for where we're at as a, as a company right now.
0: Now, Jim, I think it's uh, worth mentioning here that you also serve as a director and chairman of the audit committee. Uh, for Adaptive Insights, a company uh, many finance executives are familiar with, but also an Irish company uh, called Fleet Maddox. What uh, what's the what type of business is Fleet Maddox?
1: Yeah, so so Fleet Maddox is a is an Irish company um, formed in uh, in Ireland. Um, so it's, it's actually an Irish PLC. I think they call it public limited company. Um, it's it, it's a bit of a virtual company, though, that had very large uh, U.S. operations. Um, it had acquired a company in um, the south side of Cleveland, uh, Ohio, that was also in, its, um, in the same line of business, fleet management. It's in the fleet management business, the ability to track vehicles for purposes of providing services to, to end customers, to more efficiently track the status of those uh, vehicles. And its finance organization was based here in Boston. So I went on the board of that company a couple years before it went public. Um, as they look to augment the board with, um, I'll call it, non-investors and to get it ready for the public markets. So I've been on that board for oh, almost um, five years now as uh, um, chairman of the audit committee and, and a board member. It's been a very fun company to be part of.
0: Is there any advice you'd have for finance leaders uh, who would love to uh, participate on boards and uh, you know, perhaps are looking to build their networks to... Open up those types of opportunities.
1: Well, I, I, I do think, that Jack, as you just said, it's it's, it's as you uh, as you network. And um, uh, I was lucky enough, and that the Lugman had a very good name, um, and we went public at a time that, when which the um, uh, the market was just coming out of a very difficult period in the in the banking crisis. Um, and accordingly, you know, uh, as people looked to, um, uh, to augment boards, um, you know, they looked for companies that had gone, uh, recently gone public, right? And so that's how I, um, I got involved with the, the Fleet Manics board. I was um, the bankers on, on, uh, on Log Me In were were a Barclays bank, and they likewise were going to be the bankers that took out uh, uh fleet Manics and you know i i I had a good reputation with the barclays um guys and gals, and uh you know they they introduced me into the management team there, and you know I think uh, as a as a CFO you you, um, you certainly need the network you need to network at the levels of you know with the lawyers and with the um, the, the bankers um, and with other people in the in the venture market in the industry and if, if you're you've got a good reputation and you've done a good job there's going to be opportunities that come along uh, adaptive insights is another um, board that I've been involved with probably for about three years now they are A venture-backed startup based in Palo Alto, um, California, um, uh, Bessemer-led investment. And I got introduced there because um, LogMeIn was actually one of the major users of Adaptive's product on the East Coast. And uh, Adaptive has a financial planning and forecasting tool for companies that allows you to forecast your business. Um, we used it at LogMeIn. We use it here now at Actifio uh, and, in fact, um, Analytics uses it too. Um, we, we use it to um, to forecast the business and project the business, and which is particularly important as you go into the public markets. Um, But I got involved there because the, the CEO was looking to augment the board. He was looking to augment the board with the CFO that that knew or used their product, and and at that time they were looking to uh, augment the board with with some east they called East Coast mentality or somebody from the East Coast that could give them some some East Coast exposure. Um, so, in addition to being a board member, I'm a frequent um, speaker at Adaptive uh, call them conferences or webinars or uh, customer meetings that they have on the East Coast here. So so I play a, a A role, and also helping promote, you know, the business and the product into the the tech community or the financial community.
0: Yeah, well, they're certainly no stranger to the uh, the finance community. They're pretty pretty high visible at a lot of events today, I suppose. And we had uh, Rob Hole on the podcast a while back.
1: Oh, great! uh, Yeah, Rob's a great guy
0: and one of the founders. We'd love to find out more about Actifio now. What is it, uh, what's the opportunity this company has brought into focus? And uh, what what is its competitive edge, really?
1: Well, the, the, um, and I'll go back and repeat a little bit of what you said on on the intro. Um, But what Actifio has is, is a platform that allows companies to more effectively manage their Data application and their storage needs, um, and what what that means is in big environments, um, uh, particularly you know Fortune 2,000 companies, they need to make copies of um, application data for different reasons. Some could be for backup purposes. Some can be for disaster recovery. More and more of it is because development people want access to sort of live data in order to be able to develop the most current to test their new releases on most current data Um, or it could be the analytics people want the most current data in order to provide analysis around that so they can be, you know, quick to react to to business situations. And what the founders at Actifio invented was a way in which you could virtualize that data set. So instead of making different copies of that, you make what we call one golden copy of that data. And then that the different users or constituents can pull on that, on that virtual um, uh, copy instead of making all these different copies. So it saves huge amounts of money from a storage perspective because you don't have to store all those different copies. It saves, even more importantly, a huge amount of time from both developers waiting to have those environments set up for them and IT organizations in which you know, they, they, they simply can't you know, snap their fingers and make a copy of this stuff, right? They need to set it up and set it up on separate servers, and it could take two days, it could take one week. Um, and so we're getting the data um, to the users in a, in, um, a faster, quicker, and more efficient um, way. We are, it's a ma- massive market, $50 billion market if you look at um, uh, the Gartner um, uh, stats of, of what we're uh, playing in. And at our facts, you know, we have the wind of um, people going to the cloud. Uh, so that whole movement to the cloud, people are figuring out, hey, where do I want my data? Do I want it in a private cloud, public cloud. Do I want it in my own data centers. your product runs across that no matter where your, your data is. We're following the secular trend of big data because more and more people are capturing different bits of data, right? The, the Internet of Things is is the um, the craze right now. But what what that means is more devices are connected to the Internet and more bits of data are being captured. And therefore, you got to do something with that bits of data, right? Either store it or get it ready to you know be used for any purposes and then finally data management how do you manage all that data so those three big secular trends are what's really driving the business um and it's disruptive right it's the next generation of how am i going to manage my storage into the next 5 10 15 years with all these demands coming from the users and with the market saying, I'm gonna have more and more of this stuff to manage. So so it's a pretty exciting time in the company's um, um formation or, or or history.
0: Okay, so what are the key metrics then that you rely on to achieve the visibility that allows you to understand how the company's performing?
1: Well this is a this is a tougher company at its heart, right? And so um the key metrics in the in 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 a lot of software companies are are consistent. Um, uh, first is is you start at the top, right? So it is how's the business growing, right? So so one of the bookings growing, and you know what's the growth for the bookings? What's our productivity per rep? Um, other bookings coming from channel or from direct rep. So the first is is really looking at the um, uh, at the, how you're growing the, the the business. I think those are the first set of key metrics that. That um, any company or any software company will look at, and then underneath that there's uh, i call them uh, efficiency metrics um, uh, it 's how effectively are you spending uh, your dollars and particularly in the software industry and particularly in what I'll call is the SaaS industry or the subscription industry, log me in with subscription, Adaptive was, Fleetmatics is. To a certain extent, we are here at Akifio, but we're a bit of a, a hybrid uh, model. But people really look at at, at what they call um, CAC, customer acquisition costs. How, how much is it costing you to acquire that customer? And then you um, you really, over time, you look at what is that customer paying you back? What is the customer lifetime value and what is the margin you're making on that? Um, I think those are, the, those are the key efficiency metrics that, that people look at in, um, in this industry. And then there's, there's the more traditional metrics of you know, how's your services business doing it and and is it making margin or is it doing what you want it to do? Um um, you know, from a lead gen perspective. And, you know, how's your how's your cash flow and how's your so called EBITDA margins, right? So all the kind of things that a public company would track, we are tracking the same in the, in a private environment. And you know, I did that at at Log Me In when we were private. I know um uh, they they do it at adaptive, they did, did it at Fleet Maddox before we went. Um, When when you're in a private environment, you want to conduct yourself as if you're in a public environment because there may come a day when you are in in such an environment, and and it makes the transition a a lot easier.
0: we like to uh, ask our guests about uh, the growing focus on customer success in many organizations. You mentioned customer lifetime value. Are are there other metrics you're paying attention to as well when it comes to uh, customer success?
1: Um, we, we certainly measure um, periodically um, your customer sat levels, right? And so, so our customer support organization um, is doing different surveys into the customer base to track um, uh, customer satisfaction uh, uh, levels, both within the product and within the service organization. So that's something that we track, and we track over time. Uh, and then the second is, um, you know, people – Put their money where their mouth is in the software industry. You know that you you either have a, a maintenance renewal, or you have a subscription renewal year after year, and um, your renewal rates are gonna you know tell the tale. And um, it's important not only to understand what those renewal rates are, but why are people leaving, and then to take action with regards to why those people are leaving. So um in in all the software companies I've been involved with there there is a fair amount of analysis of what is your churn and why are people churning um and so that you can um you, you can analyze that and then it it a little bit goes with churn um but it's but it's what they call gross churn and so by trend, they mean um, our, our repeat customers buying more, right? And so uh, in a lot of these environments, and Tivio is a great example, we will go in and we will do a project in, in one department or one geography, and, and the idea will be we want to land there and expand. And to the extent that that project is successful, then that next project is going to be a lot easier to get from a business perspective. And you see the same in, um, uh, in SaaS businesses, that, that people want to expand their business and sell into their customer base. So if you're selling into your customer base and your customers are renewing, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're doing a good job.
0: So, Jim, we always like to ask for uh, what we call an aha moment. And uh, this is what is a a finance strategic moment where uh, your lines of sight into the organization have allowed you to uh, identify a particular opportunity or see a challenge that was uh, perhaps uh, quickly advancing. What would you share with us?
1: Well, I I think what I would share is. Uh, and it relates to my Logmein days. Uh, Logmein was a high-tech company located on the um, outskirts of Boston, and uh, we were growing—you know—headcount 30, 40 percent year over year. And at a certain point, we needed to expand offices and, in essence, to move offices. And so we did all sorts of analysis about sort of how to go and, you know, what um, typically if you're on the out—you uh, know, the suburbs of the city, you stay in the suburbs of the city. But in this case. It was a little bit of gut, and it was a little bit of, you know, analyzing um, what our workforce looked like and where we were going to grow. Um, we actually, and and I think um, Mike Simon, who's the CEO, would say I led the uh, effort. We we picked the company up and we moved it into downtown Boston. Now it was only 15 miles from where we were, but it, but it's not the easiest 15 mile commute. Um, but we um, went into the so-called innovation district in Boston. We were one of the first high-tech companies to go in there. We redesigned uh, an old mill building into some really dynamic um, space. Created a huge open environment, and we ran a major project with the employee base to make sure the employees embraced it. Um, even though it was going to, you know, be aggravation to their commute, we were hoping that when we when they got there, they would be, you know, in a happier place, you could say. And and we did a really nice job in developing the space, and it was a very very successful move. That I think. Led to our next phase of growth at, at LogMeIn. The average age there was was 27, 28 years old. Those kids were living in the city, and we were competing with you know Microsoft and Google and HubSpot, um, uh, Communispace for um, for people. And those people, those 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 candidates were in the city and were walking to work, riding their bikes to work, taking the subways to work. And we were 15 miles outside the city where they had to figure out how to get out there. And eventually we decided, Hey, we're, we're, we're Going to go in and meet them, and not not only meet them there, but but we're going to be you know bigger and better than them, and and it's worked out very very well for for And So uh, I'd say that's one of the things I'm uh, I'm proud of being able to do that, and to convince a management team that that was um, the right thing to do. Because for all of us on the management team, it did not make the commute easier. Um, It certainly made it much more difficult for the two founders of the company, but they both had the foresight to say, you know, we're doing this not for ourselves, individually, but we're doing it for the next generation of where that company is going to be, and it's worked out really well for for in and now.
0: That's interesting. That's uh, that's really, a, a, you know, being very uh, talent-minded, workforce-minded, and that leads us to our, our sort of our next line of questions, which is, as a finance leader today, what are your priorities when it comes to the workforce? Priorities have always been to be able to attract and
1: get, the, you know, the best people, right, and to then retain those people, right? And those continue to be the priorities, whether you're here at Actifio or at Fleetmatics or, or Adaptive or at the um, at log me in. What what I've always practiced, though, that seems to have worked um, um, very very well, is to empower the organization and empower the employee base to um, to to make the right decisions and to make the right decisions for the company. So, you know, I, I'm less of the you know less on rules and more on the simple thing of do the right thing. Um, and if you do the right thing, the company's going to be better and you're going to be better and to the extent people don't do the right thing it, It's putting the onus on them to say like, like look if it was your money Would you be doing that right and and you know people answer that question for themselves, right? And if the people answer in the wrong way, they're probably the wrong people in the organization so I've always felt if you empower the organization then the organization is going to make um, uh, the right decision, and in the long term, you're going to build a um, a better, more viable um, workforce for uh, for the company. And 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 I've done that no matter where where I've been, whether that's parametric Technology, whether that was uh, LogMeIn, or even here at Activio. And depending on the environment, there's different things that you empower the the, the employees to do.
0: Now. Yeah. Are there any metrics that you're paying close attention to these days when it comes to talent management?
1: I think the most important is is, is turnover within the group. Um, we monitored at at log was um, you know promotions how, how many people you know that we moved forward, how many of the hires into the next level were actually coming within our workforce. Um, how we got people from one group to another and built, you know, career pathing um, in bigger Organizations, not that in is a, it's a huge organization, but it's 1,000 employees now. Uh, you have that capability to, uh, to do that. At TIFIO, we're not quite at, at that, uh, that level right now. We, um, we need to get the success of the company to the next level, and then I think um, we'll be able to do some things like that too. But, but I think the first thing you look for is turnover, and the second thing you look for is, you know, are people being um, challenged and moved around and serve new opportunities within the company?
0: Okay. We now come to our mentoring round where we ask you several quick questions to help uh, inspire and mentor aspiring finance leaders. What's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today?
1: The biggest thing is the ability to make a difference. And so um, uh, uh, I I think within the I think I think in general CFOs have certainly come um uh to a different level and they're no longer viewed as the accountants and the people that maintain the books but they're viewed as um executives that help companies grow. I've always said in my organizations you know usually you are a CFO you run what you call general administration and I've always and and general administration is is overhead but I've always said like look we're we're in this business to grow the company and um the actions that we take within our group should be to help grow the company whether that's in sales or whether that's in people management or whether that's in services but the idea is we want to do things that allow the the company to grow and i think finance teams and finance executives are, are being, you know, viewed as that. The, the log me in move decision is, was a classic example of, um, you know, an opportunity for a finance executive to help lead the company to the, to the next generation, you know, workforce. And, and I think that's the exciting thing about, um, about, um, finance and business now that, that you're having that opportunity, um, to help do that.
0: Now, when you think back to that first uh, CFO tour of duty that you may have had. What, what do you wish someone had told you at at the very start of your CFO career? The
1: um, the thing I had to learn and uh, was the idea of you know being in what I would call an operational CFO, and a little bit along the lines of that, what I just explained there, the helping the ability to grow uh, companies and. And whether I, you know, I figured it out or I stumbled into it, at a certain point I figured out, you know, the way to be a good um, CFO is to solve business problems and not solve accounting problems. And that, that would be the one thing that I would stress to, uh, to young people coming into the finance industry is solve a business problem and, and don't focus so much on the rules and regulations, but like what is right for the business. And um, uh, you'll, be, you'll be better off for that and you'll, yeah, and you'll, you'll grow uh, longer term into a, into a more exciting
0: role. Is there a personal habit That you believe has contributed to your professional success.
1: I think it goes along the lines of I do things for the best of the organization or the team. As a kid, I was always, you know, I always uh, I played basketball a fair amount, and I always enjoyed. uh, I, I was point guard, and I always got more satisfaction out of helping others score than scoring myself, to be honest. And and so. I, I've sort of taken that into this world too, and uh, into the business world. And I've always felt if I can get my team successful, and the company successful, then I'll be successful. I, I don't they do things from an objective of like, what do I need to be to? What do I need to do to be successful? I do things as to like, well, how do I get this company successful, or with uh, this team successful. And then, in turn, um, uh, you know people will um, people will notice and, I, and, and i'll be successful and and that's worked pretty um, uh, pretty well.
0: Is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders? I like to read about
1: companies' structures and and you know companies' histories and successful so um, but there is one book that I read uh, for a, a long time ago. Um, that, that is a little less finance and and more about just um, uh, leadership it, it's called the leadership engine and it's written by a gentleman named Noel pitchy who was um, I don't know if he still is but he was a, a business professor at the University of Mi- uh, Michigan but um, you know the the subtitle in the book is how winning companies build leaders at at every level and as I look to develop um my organizations, and and at, at LogMeIn, I went from three people in finance to 65 people in in the organization that I was running, which included HR and IT and 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 finance uh, and legal. Um, and um, we really focused on, hey, how you build leaders. And I've used this book a number of times to run um, internal leadership um, exercises or classes. And there's some very very good chapters in it. And I would encourage. Uh, again, young professionals to uh, uh, to to read it. Um, it. It's it's a little bit out of the norm, but it, but it's a very effective book on um, on how companies and how certain leaders have have acted and the skill set that you look for in leaders.
0: Finance thought leaders don't go anywhere. We're about to ask our finance leader guest for their business priorities over the next 12 months. But first, permit us 30 seconds to thank our sponsor. You want smart? year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Our final question, what are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? My
1: priorities are in line with our our company priorities. So we are in in Actifio, um, in the process of building a company for long-term viability um, here in that Boston market in technology uh, space, and so. The objective is to continue to work with the management team, uh, the SEALs organization, to to get the company to scale and to get the company to scale uh, uh, effectively. That means um, you know getting the the company into profitability and to uh, positive cash flow. And we've done a number of things to sort of focus that and focus the organization. And our um, the objective would be continue to build on that and continue to build a, uh, a long-term, viable um, uh,
0: company and business model, and, and that's, that's what we're working on. Jim Kelleher, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Pleasure. Thank you, Jack. Hi, it's Jack. At CFO Thought Leader, we're interested in hearing from you. We want to find out what you would like to hear more of or less of. And so we've created an ever so short survey in order to learn from you. The survey is now available right on CFOthoughtleader.com's homepage. It's open to career finance executives of every rank. Meanwhile, it's that time of year again. CFO Appreciation Day is quickly approaching, and we are once more firing up our kiln and making our CFO Thought Leader Mug 2019 edition available to survey takers who enlist two or more of their finance team members to complete the survey. We'll mail you our also coveted CFO Thought Leader Mug at zero cost. So visit us at cfothoughtleader.com and give us an earful. We would greatly appreciate it. Some rules and restrictions may apply.